This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. All right, are y'all ready? I have a word. I feel like I'm pregnant with a word. <laughs> with a word. You like that, John? Okay. Good for you. All right. <laughs> um, let me come down. I love what Jenna wrote on this. Talitha Kumi. Arise, girl, arise. Um, there is a big difference between Holy Spirit blessing and momentum. A big difference. There's a big difference between extra virgin, cold-pressed, unfiltered Greek olive oil and Crisco. There's a big difference. <laughs> Huge difference. One's cheaper, easier to get. You can manufacture it. One's good for you. One kills you. There's a huge difference between the anointing of the Spirit and momentum. What I never want to get stuck in here, I'm trying to get ahead of it, is momentum. If momentum begins to dominate you and it's not the river of God, that momentum will lead you into slavery. You'll become an employee rather than a son or a daughter. You won't follow the winds of the Spirit. The momentum will drive you. And so that's why I say things like this. If it's not about Jesus, then what's it about? Because if it's not about the actual person of Jesus, it's about something else. And so I've, I've done my best to very methodically stab you in the kidneys with little Holy Spirit truth bombs that will hopefully agitate you on the inside that will cause you to feel pigeonholed. Because it is either about Jesus or something else. And if it's about something else, it is not Christian. If it is not about Christ, it is not Christian. How could it be? You say, well, at least it's good. Well, we can't even say that because Jesus said only God is good. So if the Lord's not here, if he's not building it, if he's not filling it, if he hasn't designed it and he's not fueling it, if it's not from him, by him, and unto him, it's not even good. <laughs> All right, now, this is deep theology. If it's not good, what is it? There you go. It's either about Jesus or it's bad. I said, well, of course it's about Jesus. Oh, well, I'm talking about it meaning more to us than just putting his name at the end of our sermon that fails to mention him for an hour. When a baby needs to be raised from the dead, you realize what works and what doesn't. You realize what you cling to, and then you realize what is waste. It has to be about him, fully, 100% about him. And one of the traps we can fall into is this trap of momentum. 
It can happen to me. It can happen to Jess. It can happen to our kids. It can happen to our school, our leaders, our staff. Because let's be honest, we didn't do a lot, a whole lot, to see all these people flying from around the world. It's the Lord. Every week, there are people here from different cities, different states, different nations. They're hungry for God. That means they need to meet God while they're here, or we failed. So I want to talk about how to come in to the presence of Jesus. The culture of our heart, what, what our heart should be like day after day, moment after moment, how we step into the house on Sundays. Help me with this one. If God will entrust you with what you prove to him, you will protect. He will give you and continue to give you more as you continue to prove you will protect what he's given you. As I began to pastor, I could not believe how natural protection began to arise up in me. You start to protect people, you protect their hearts, you begin to protect the presence of God first and foremost, and you, you realize what brings the Lord. You then realize what repels the Lord's presence. You fight to maintain. When I say fight, I mean you commit to maintain what continues to bring his presence, and then you actively assault that which destroys it through preaching the scriptures and making tough decisions. Until, if you want to be God's friend, you're going to have to be willing to upset yours. God... People are not going to understand radical decisions you make. They might even look religious, like prayer. I had a leader once tell me, oh, you're religious. You spend Saturdays with the Lord. I'm like, religious? It's wonderful. How could that be? I thought religion is dead activity. This is life. True prayer is communion with God. Is that not true? Prayer is a manifestation of your salvation. Communion was cut off. You are redeemed. Communion is reestablished. As you experience his presence in prayer, it is a manifestation of the fact that you've been born again. Nothing could be less religious. So you begin to fight for these things. You begin to... Reject distraction. Now look, I'm going to tell you to do something. It might sound extreme, but I think we, we, we wrote that check a while ago, in case you haven't figured that out. We have choirs, and we worship for an hour, and then worship another 30, and it can get wild here. So we've, we've jumped off the cliff. This sounds wild. You need to prepare for Sundays like I do. So, oh, no, I'm, uh, you're, you're, 
I don't know if I can do that. Well, that's what, that is what family does. I think one of, one of my greatest fears is people from a Jesus image going off overseas or going to another city and their identity is wrapped up on their ability to repeat me and say they are from Jesus' image. That would be a tragedy. Because lifeless parroting, it's just super easy to, you, you just know when it's around. I don't want you to go out and quote me. I want you to quote the word of God and if we're gonna be family, then I want it to be as real to you, if not more real, than it is to me. <laughs> you ever meet the people who one sentence in, they tell you who their spiritual father or mother is? Well, you know, so-and-so is my spiritual father. And you're like, wow, you guys are so different. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you know their spiritual father, you're like, no, I don't think you are, no. I don't think you are their child. No. There's a nature difference. There's a nature difference. So I learned early on, as I was with my father-in-law, my first crusade was Denver, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 2003. I went there. I turned on ESPN. You may have heard the story. I turned on ESPN. It was about 3 o'clock. The crusade started at 7. I put on ESPN. The Holy Spirit spoke to me, clear as day. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm about to watch Sports Center." <laughs> As if he didn't know. He said, why? I said, because I want to watch Sports Center." He said, what is Benny doing? I said, Benny is with the Lord. He's with you. <laughs> this is what the Lord said. And you call yourself a son? Do what he's doing if you're going to serve him. From that day on until today, it's been 16 years, I have never watched television when I had to preach. I have never watched television on a Sunday. Because that's my covenant with God. Now, I am not telling you that. But I am saying, I would rather be extreme in preparing my heart for fire than to be put to sleep by what the world calls success. I would. I, you have to come to the Lord on certain terms with a certain holy viciousness. You got to protect it. You, the Bible says, a garden enclosed is my sister in the Song of Solomon. A garden enclosed. What's Jesus saying? I put a fence around my bride and I locked it. I locked the gate and I'm the only one with the key. Huh. People are like, dude, you're extreme. And sometimes I go, oh, well, then why'd you bring me in? Well, we like what happens in your meetings. That's how it happens. What? This isn't the place to learn. We can't fall asleep on these Sundays. We can't. Leaders, we cannot fall asleep. You say, well, I need to be filled. You will. Just 
But you, you will get filled in the presence. You'll absolutely get filled in the presence, but we can't fall asleep and call the crowd success. Call the views success. Much of Western church culture calls this success. How many are in the seats? How big was the offering? How well known am I? How many views on social media? If all those are solid, we are successful. And the whole time Jesus is going, success is me. Success is me. If I was in the room, it was a good meeting. If I wasn't, it wasn't good. I know you say, well, he's always here. He is and he isn't. He is always in us, but he's only promised to inhabit and manifest in a certain type of meeting. That is a meeting that gathers in his name. If we do not gather in his name, he's not in the midst. And it is Jesus in the midst that begins to change lives. How is it that we do a three-minute altar call after a beautiful worship set and people come and repent? Because it's his presence that draws them. We don't have a choir up there because we want to add a little anchovy to the pizza. I watched a movie with anchovies the other day. Sorry. And they had anchovies on the pizza. We're not trying to make it a little better. My buddy goes, Culianos has a full-blown choir. I'm like, that's not my choir. They haven't sung one song to me yet. This is Jesus' choir. It's not my choir. It's not even the church's choir. It's the Lord's choir. You see, there's a divine design behind it all. There are choirs up there. I want one here. How can earth model heaven if we don't give him what he wants? Jesus loves beautiful music. For those of you who are too spiritual for music, especially now, people, I've heard people say, there's no music mentioned in the New Testament. So did he just stop liking it? At some point, they're singing nonstop in heaven. This is the point, though. It's for the Lord. So from my perspective, I'm like, I want a choir because I think Jesus loves it according to the scriptures. When we sing in one accord songs that he has given to the church, that actually talk about him. And as we pull on him, he comes and he touches people and you can say three things in an altar call and people get born again. Of course, you have to preach a clear gospel, which I hope you're realizing is vital, but unless he's in the room, people will just stare at you. Eric shares the story all the time. He grew up in church. We all did. We all heard altar calls. But what changed our life? The moment Jesus manifested his presence and he gripped us. Are you with me? So how we, listen, I want you to write this down. Or type it. (laughs) Just don't Siri it. She'll talk back. Well, before you write this down, (laughs) sorry, I feel like we need to switch the order. I want you to go to Mark chapter 4. I'm not going to preach long tonight. Mark chapter 4, verse 24. Students, don't laugh at me. They're like, yes, you are going to preach long. You say that all the time. Mark 4, 24.
All right, Mark, I want you to Mark, Mark 24, 24. And then go up to verse 13. This is the parable of the sower explained. I preached this about nine months ago at, at the old, the first building, the little Presbyterian church. But I felt the Lord tell me again to talk about it. Verse 13, the, sower of the, the parable of the sower explained, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So listen carefully. If you cannot understand the parable of the sower, Jesus is saying you can't understand any, which is pretty wild, huh? He is saying, though, if you get this one, that it unlocks, it is the key, it unlocks the other parables. Verse 14, the sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. Stop there. The context here is the word of God. The context is you hearing the word. Now here's the wild thing. You can receive the word, and according to the scriptures, it can be stolen. That's crazy. Think about it. You can sit here tonight and receive the word. You can leave here, and by tomorrow, it can be stolen from you. So the enemy is after the preaching of the word. He has come to steal the seed and literally remove it from our hearts. Verse 16, actually verse 15. These are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. He comes immediately. Why would he come immediately? Because he's afraid of it. He realizes the power that it can have in your life, and he realizes how many lives can be changed through one life that receives and protects the word. What if we had a hundred Reinhard Bunkies? That would be 79 million times a hundred. I don't know what that is, but that's a lot of people. Well, I'll leave you with that. Verse 16, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness. They have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, how many of you want to receive the word? Well, guess what? Persecution has to come when it's received. It's actually for the sake of the word. To prove the word. One time I took Theo out to Disney to go play golf. I'll never forget it. Does anyone here, hopefully oh, you all know about golf. So, or you have to leave. <laughs> <clears throat> There's a thing called the green. The green is where you want the ball to go. There's a flag in the green, and there, the flag goes in the hole, and that's a good thing. You want your ball to go in the green so that it can eventually go in the hole. You want that to happen in as few strokes as possible, and that's how you make the big money. Say amen. amen. Say amen again. Amen. All right. You heard Banning say, oh, your Jesus School students heard Banning say the Lord told, told him to learn how to play golf. Well, no, no, he said he was studying world changers, and everyone played golf. 
I said, amen, Benny. That's the best thing you preached all day. It wasn't, but it was really good. So Theo was there. We were at Disney, one of their golf courses. And there was a lake in front of the green. And Theo had a really bad lie. Do you even remember this? Probably not. It's good you don't. But now you're about to. <laughs> so he was just a little kid. And he goes, hey, Baba, I'm going to hit that shot on the green. And I go, oh, I knew that ball was not going on the green. I'm a man of faith, but I knew that was not happening. I knew it was going in the lake. I bought the golf balls. They're like four bucks a piece now. So I go, are you sure you, you feel like it? And I, I have a rule when it comes to sports is fear's going to come your way, but I refuse to be governed by it. So in anything, if you have a fear of failure, you will fail or not try. It's those two things. So I would rather a kid take risk and screw up than never go for it. And I think that's a life lesson. So he goes, I think I can hit that in the, in, on the green. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm smiling. Oh, yeah, sure you can. I'm like, sure you can. I knew it was going in the water. First shot. Boosh, splash. I said, Theo, you, you want to lay up, maybe short of the water, hit like a little wedge down there, and we'll hit our next shot on the green. No, but I can hit this one on. Just give me another shot. He drops another one. Psh, in the lake. Next shot. Psh, in the lake. I think he hit three or four. In the lake. Three, at least. He's like, why are you doing this? You were like eight years old. It's okay. Finally, I go, buddy, have you learned yet? He goes, yeah, yeah, I think I should lay up. The Lord, listen, when you receive the word, you are signing up for persecution. And what it does is it actually tests what you've received. Two people discover it, the Lord and you. You missed that part. You also need to discover the depth or lack thereof that you're really walking in. And few things reveal it, like receiving the word. How many of you feel called to a different nation? Okay. I promise you persecution will come if you follow that calling. I don't think we have ever gone through more as a family than when we decided to see a house built for God's presence in Orlando. It has been relentless. And it hasn't been like dumb mistakes we made. It's just been people, gossip. It's just the way it is. I call this blessing tax. It's a tax for blessing. Jesus said this, if you give up land, homeland, homes, family, for my sake and the gospel, we always leave it for his sake, but he actually includes gospel there. So Jesus can come in and ruffle your paradigm. The American dream is not the Lord's dream. If you think the Lord's dream is a white picket fence, a cool little bulldog, that is the Lord's dream. <laughs> a cool bulldog, you're just doing your little thing, you know, visiting church, checking it off the box, going back, Saturdays are free. No, that's not the Lord's dream. There is a price involved. There's a prize involved when you leave your children. My children weep on my way out the door. Sophia does. They used to. They're too cool now. It still breaks my heart. And in my mind, I literally have to shift. I go, okay, I'm on a job here. Don't stop loving them. Don't stop missing them. But the pain of it will eat me up, especially if it's a long trip. I have to switch gears. 
Well, the Lord says this, if you do that, you will be blessed in this life. Listen, a hundredfold. A hundredfold what? Houses, lands. Did he not say that? Family blessing. But then he adds this, with persecution. <laughs> listen, listen to the language. You follow me. It doesn't mean be a bad dad or husband, by the way. If you're wrecked inside, if your family's wrecked, get home and heal your family. I'm absolutely. But I am saying that the American dream is not the Lord's dream. It's something we come up with. This isn't the most comfortable experience all the time. There is a price to pay. When you pay the price, the Lord begins to bless you. And this is the tax, persecution. It's a blessing tax. So when you get down on yourself, why are they doing that to me? Why am I being misunderstood? I only love them. I only gave to them. I only tried to help them. I gave, have you, have you ever been generous to someone and the person you were generous to questioned your motive? Oh, that's possible. You can give someone a house and they'll look at you and go, you're just trying to control me. You're like, no bro, I'm trying to give you a house. That's all, if I wanted to control you, I'd control you. I'm just trying to give you a house. Oh, I know you're up to something. You ever gone through anything like that? Anyone here? Wave at me. Yeah. So what is happening there? You can be so misunderstood that it deeply pains the soul. Deeply in your heart. What's going on? It's just a little blessing tax. It will never, ever go away as long as the blessing continues. Let me take it a step further. You need it. You don't have to like it, but you need it. There are people back in my hometown, Chris and I grew up in the same hometown, a little Greek town named Tarpon Springs. They still think I'm a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> I'm not joking. When I got born again, they, they, our family, they were instantly known as the Jehovah's. I'm like, man, no, I'm not Jehovah's Witness. Oh, yeah, you are. No, I'm really not. Yes, you are. Okay, I'm not, but whatever. When you receive the word, persecution arises. To test it. God wants you to know whether the infrastructure of your spiritual life is silver, gold, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. He wants you to discover it. Michael's Jesus has to become your Jesus. Dion's provider has to become TJ's provider. The one who baptized Pastor Wally in the Spirit has to baptize Jess in the Spirit. Your hero's Jesus needs to become your own. Yes, we walk in honor, but you don't want the story of your life to be your ability to retell the stories of your heroes. You want to tell your children your own. That will cost you something. I'm telling you, momentum is, 
it's a dangerous thing. Like Daniel Kalenda told me, bro, what good is momentum if you're headed into a tree? The Lord told me to take a sabbatical with my family. Some people were like, bro, things are growing. And someone spoke up and said, you have momentum. What will your partners do? And Dan said, what, will, what good is momentum if you're headed straight into a tree? So the, the, the way we measure this thing has got to change. What we deem to be successful has to change. How we deem it to be successful has to change. And I just feel like some of those ancient, old, ways of the saints has got to come back. Somehow, some, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I, I, but somehow, God births the truth that we all get to walk. And as John Wimber said, do the stuff. Absolutely. We're sons and daughters, part of the same kingdom. Jesus gave every believer authority. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not negating that. And we should be able to do it all the time. We should be able to do it at the store. We should be able to do it at Walgreens. Yeah, yeah, I, I get all that. We should be able to, our teams are on the street every Thursday, and every day they're on outreach. Their life is an outreach. But at some point, somehow that thing got polluted. It just shifted somehow. And in the name of not idolizing people who really walked with God, I think we dumbed down the standard. Because there are still holy people out there whose eyes flicker. There are still people who are closer to Jesus than others. The person to your left and right is either closer to the Lord than you or, or, or lives a more distant life of intimacy than you. So we've dialed the whole thing down, and, I, and this is what happens. God starts to move, he begins to bless, and we go to sleep. I am not going to sleep. I don't want to go to sleep. I want God to fill this place with his tangible glory. I don't want one sick person to ever leave sick. Never. I, don't, I want everyone to get healed. You say, man, that's a wild, wild goal. We might as well go for it. Because Jesus died for everyone's sin. His back was given for every sickness. That has to be the standard. Why, why am I teeing it up this way? Because I'm about to read you another scripture. Listen to this. Mark 4, it's the original scripture I gave you. I want you to go all the way down to verse 24. Listen closely. Then he said to them, this is Mark 4, 24, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, listen closely, to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken. You say, that's not fair. God is not fair. 
Just get used to it. God is absolutely not fair. He is a just king. And he is a righteous steward. At Jesus' image, if you do a great job, you may very well get rewarded with another job. Not to overload you, but it's our leadership team going, I trust you. I trust you. You showed up on time, so you get invited into this. You did this well with humility, you get this. Now, obviously, we don't want to kill the people. But have you ever wondered why a few people get to play and have all the fun? Why they get so much breakthrough? It's because they've been faithful with a little. Now, listen. Listen closely. Verse 24. Look down at the Bible. Look down at the Bible. Take heed what you hear. Say what? Say it again. Say what? All right. We all have the choice to determine what we listen to. What I listen to. I'm not going to lie. When I first heard the news of Olive, the friend in me, which is okay, the morning aspect in me, I was down yesterday, woke up like that, and then something began to stir in me. Something began to stir in me. I have a job to do. Yes, I'm a friend. Yes, but I'm, I'm supposed to be a man of God. What do I need to do in those moments? Someone's got to speak faith. Someone has to speak hope. Are you with me? Faith is a substance. It is presence. It is the substance of things hoped for. You remove hope, faith begins to die. So I have to choose in that context, what am I going to listen to? Am I going to even listen to my own inner thoughts? Or am I going to listen to the word of God? I don't know about you, but I began, John began singing tonight about life and Jesus being the resurrection and the life and Jesus conquering the grave. All of a sudden, something began to stir in me. Now, I wouldn't quite say it this way, but I remember Dave, David Hogan went to Reading and he said, we need to repent for not raising the dead. You need to repent if you're not raising the dead. Now, I'd probably say it a little differently, but... It's David Hogan. I get what he's trying to say. This is what we do. If this is what we, we don't do, what else do we not do? Jesus is alive. He empties the grave. As Bill said, if everybody died on time, why would Jesus raise the dead? So you have to take heed what you hear. That does not, re listen, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to be okay with not being passive about it. That will require violence in the spirit. That is a realm of the kingdom that can only be taken by violence. That's like somebody coming up to you when you have to go release the anointing and preach the word of God, talking about something that might be important to them, but it's not important to God. You go, I don't want to hear that right now. You say, that's old school. I'm kingdom, bro. God is my papa. If that thing, if that context, if that language has pushed you out of the clear commands of Jesus, which is salute no man on the way, something's up. We've dialed down the standard. We've dialed it down. The measurement has been dialed down. We don't even know 
what, how to call a meeting a good meeting. As I said earlier, if he's not there, it's not good. Are you, are you hearing me? So you take heed what you hear in your house, with your own family. Can you do it in love? Yes, you do it in love, but it's a clear thing. I have a job to do. I have a job to do. God doesn't kiss moving targets. What do I mean by that? He can't touch a scattered soul. Why, why when the angel came to Manoah and released the word about Samson's life, the Bible says the angel of the Lord, who was the Lord, ascended up in a flame off of the rock. Go read it for yourself. What is that speaking of? You want the fire? Your soul has to settle in like a rock. That's why Psalm 46.10 says, in stillness only can I know the Lord. Be still and know I am the Lord. The heart has to settle. You have to determine what you listen to. It's not old school. It's the style of Jesus. It's the style of Jesus. You say, well, I disagree. Fine. But Jesus said wisdom is found in its children. You couldn't talk to Oral Roberts the day he preached. I know I'm taking a risk here because it might ruffle your barista feathers, but I'm telling you, <laughs> this is a serious... We got to do better. We got to raise the dead and do better than just making good lattes out there. Do you hear what I'm talking about? I didn't come this far to make good lattes. I don't, I love our lattes. I drink one every day. There's one named after me. It's not even a latte. It's a triple shot. But as you can see, but there's got to be more to it. If Jesus is raised, if Jesus is alive, if Jesus has not changed, Come on, you know when he's in the room. Take heed what you hear. Say what I hear. Now listen closely. With the same measure you use. <laughs> First, he's talking about the topics, the subject matter that you have to choose carefully. Now he begins talking about measure. The amount you use. That's not a passive word. He's saying, use your hearing. And you have the choice to use it in a certain measure. You determine the amount. <laughs> you can lean in. You can lean in at five miles an hour. Or you can lean in at 100. We are in a Kairos moment as a people. The moment Reinhard went home, boom, a gunshot went off in the spirit. How could we step into 2020 harvest? Don't you see what God's saying prophetically? Reinhardt goes home the last month of, the, of 2019. Everyone's prophesying 2020 is a month of harvest. Reinhardt goes home, joins the cloud of witnesses, ever interceding that a great harvest would come. It's a sign. You don't have to be John G. Lake to figure that one out. 
You don't think God knows when, John, when Reinhard Bunky goes home to be with Jesus? Are you hearing me? So what's the Lord saying? Choose the measure. That's on you, Michael. It's on you, Jess. It's on you, leadership team. It's on all of us. Choose the measure and use it. Use it to do something? Yeah, but not here. Use it to listen. You ever watch a little kid listen? You ever seen the little kids sit down, kindergarten, how they listen? You ever, you ever watch them story time? Their little faces, they're all leaning in. Do you remember how you used to listen when you first got born again? Remember? Remember when you sang as the deer a hundred times a day? Do you? The measure you use for the measure you use. Listen, it will be measured to you. You lean in 100 miles an hour, God speaks at 100 miles an hour. The terms by which you come determine what and how much he says. You come in like this, oh, it's cool to be here, man. I get my Jesus image shirt. I get my picture. I'm gonna get so many likes. Maybe I can get a picture of Michael and Jess when I'm done. I can get even more likes. That'd be phenomenal. If they have a guest speaker, and even a famous one, I wonder if he'd tag me. Wow, that'd be awesome. I'm gonna come in. We're gonna sing some songs. Oh, it's a lot of singing there. We're gonna get through it though. We're gonna get through that. Hopefully they don't preach too long that offering thing. I don't wanna do that, man. I'm super poor, can't afford to give. I wonder if that's why. Anyways, moving on. So, so I'm just going to get through the night because, I mean, I'm Christian. I hang out with Christian people. I go to all the big events. I go to all the big conferences. Man, I was the first one on the field to send. I'm going to be the first one at Jesus 19. I know it all. I know everyone. I know all these people. They're my friends. I know them all. It's so wonderful. Can I just get through it? And three weeks goes by, and you need God to talk to you, and you're deaf, dead as a doornail. Can't hear. You can't hear because you didn't lean in. Because we think God is addicted oh, to giving direction. We don't realize when he speaks, he's speaking affection. He's looking for lovers. Lovers listen. Lovers come in. This is how lovers think on a Sunday night. If you don't talk, I die. If you don't talk to me, your word is bread. You said I would live. I would live by every word that proceedeth, that cometh. In other words, it's always coming. If you don't talk to me, I have no bread for my soul. If I come before the scriptures like I'm coming to a devotion, then that's what God will speak to me through the scriptures. But if I come to Jesus through my scriptures, through his scriptures, and lean in, I eat the bread of life. You come out, you were rude before you walked in your prayer closet, and you come out so nice, so tender, you weeping, people are mad at you, and you thank them because you know they're making you more like Jesus. How's that happen? It's, it's the terms by which you come. It's not God said, it's, it's, it's the way you come. You come to Jesus with your heart sitting on the edge of its seat. That's it. 
You say, well, I don't feel like that every day. Neither do I. But this is the stuff I say. Lord, you know me better than I do. Don't leave me this way. Don't leave me like this. Speak. Just give me one word. That is not cheap. That is not cheap. Don't check your phone when you're with the Ancient of Days. Well, bro, it's 2019. We've got to reach a generation. Ugh. Get possessed. You'll reach a generation. There'll be no shortage. You won't even have to really go after them. They'll just come to you. It's what brought you tonight. You just, I was a rabid dog. Ask my wife. And when, when, I'm, when I sense that that is under assault, I start to feel exposed in the spirit. The devil takes cheap shots. So we blame it on principalities and spirits. Yeah, they're out there, but they've always wanted to kill you. That'll never change. He is a murderer. Jesus said he has been from the beginning. They're lying about me. They will forever lie about you. He is a liar, Jesus said, and has been from the beginning. But why are the darts coming through? Because there's a hole in the secret place. There's a hole there. Let phone calls in. There's a hole there. You let ministry in. There's a hole there. God called us to be filled with fire, not to be Christian executives. That's what he called us to. You, you, you get what I'm saying? Those spirits aren't new. Just the door's open. When you're caught up in blissful ecstasy with Jesus, People say something about you. Who gives a rip? Do you hear what they say? I don't care. He's honey. He's new wine. I'm too drunk to even know. In fact, I don't even understand you right now. Oh, but this just has to be done. Why does it have to be done? Can it wait till tomorrow? Well, maybe. Then it can wait till tomorrow. Are you with me? You got to build these fences. By the measure you use will determine the measure he speaks, the measure he gives. Give me five more minutes. Are you enjoying this? Yes. Oh, I don't know what happened to me. I never used to preach like this. I need a Gatorade. <laughs> I'm preaching to me. Preaching to me. Oh. Take heed what you hear with the same measure you use. It will be measured to you and to you who hear. More will be given. For whoever has, has what? Has hearing, has the ability to hear the word. To him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Hold on a second. Listen closely. Whoever has, more will be given. Whoever has little, that will be taken. Now you can write this down. 
Protecting what God is saying protects what He has spoken. Let me say it another way. Protecting what He is speaking protects what He has spoken over your life. When you lean in now, you protect and trigger harvest over every word he has ever spoken to you, through the scriptures or prophetically. You come out of the presence. Notice in the paragraph above, it says, he stole the seed from those who were by the wayside. Where is the wayside? It's on the side of the way. (laughs) You leave presence. In other words, you leave the way, who is Jesus. You leave where he is walking, and you take a step over. You're still in the harvest field, but you're not on the way. You're on the wayside. All of a sudden, the seed is exposed. Because the words are only protected in the presence of Jesus. When I say stuff like this, Jesus, you got to speak to me. David said, if you're silent, it's, though, it's like I'm in the pit. Talk, come on, here I am. You can trust me. Say anything you want. Tell me to do something I don't want to do. I just have to hear the sound of your voice. Just talk. You can tell me to move to Albania. It's just the sound that means something. It's what it does to my heart because... Your words are spirit and life. Your breath is wrapped up in your words. I'm not looking for specifics, though I'll do them. It's you. It's, it's your spirit coming out of your mouth, which is in your face, slamming me in the heart that is life. When I come like that, God goes, every prophetic word behind you is protected and is multiplying. Have you ever felt like when you leave the presence of Jesus, you walk away from him for a while, all of a sudden you can't even remember a prophetic word you got two weeks ago? You lose vision for your life. You lose the revelation of why he put you where he put you. You don't even know what's going on. You go shut away in your room for a few days. You go on a fast. Everything makes sense. I know why I was born. I know what he said to me. I know why he gave me the parents he gave me. I know. I remember that word when I was a little kid. I remember reading that in the Bible. Man, you leave the presence of Jesus. You can't even remember John 3.16. Because you're losing it. And slowly but surely, you have a little, a little less, a little less, a little less. And even what you have is now being taken. And guess what? God goes, I will now talk to her. She will steward it. But when you have it, and you listen on Monday... God protects what he said to you on Sunday. And you listen again on Tuesday. And he combines what he said on Sunday and Monday. And you get steamrolled by prophetic promise. And he talks more and more and more. And this is what I want to say here. We are not going to sleep. I don't care if the building's three times bigger than it was when we started. I don't care. I'm happy, but I don't care. I want the cloud of God's glory to be here. I want Jesus to make this a Bethany. I want him to recline here. I want hearts to break their alabaster here. I want Jesus to know that when he comes here, 
he gets loved on. I want to pick the right song at the right moment. I want him to know we picked the right song at the right, at the right moment. I want him to know we preached the gospel unapologetically. I want to pull on him and pull on him and pull on him as he goes, I'm hanging out there. That is going to require blissful violence. Protect it. Protect it. Protect the anointing on you, John. Protect it. We need sweet psalmists again. Sweet psalmists. Help me, David. We need. We need it again. Let God stir you up. Let him stir you up. We're not called to be normal. We're not normal. I feel weird to me right now. I don't... That's just not it. It's not our calling. I'm not here to coach you. I'm here to throw you in the fire. You, you get it? That's our mandate. We walk with God. Jesus holds our hand. Oh! Where are the Heidi's? Where are the Catherine's? Where are the Mother Edders? Where are the Amy's? Yeah, I'm talking to you women because you're called to preach the gospel too. Where are they? Where are the Coryton Booms? Where are these women? Where are the women who were stirred with fire, who scared men? Catherine would chase men off her platform if they screwed up. He said, I don't like that. Well, God didn't seem to mind it too much. Where are the John G. Lakes? Where are the Orals? Where are the Reinhardts? Where are the Bennies? Where are the Bills? Where are the people going, touch me like Bill said? You gotta touch me. I can't send people back the same anymore. You gotta do something in me. Use me. I'm not the best. I'm not the most qualified. God looked at Bill and touched him. A man from Weaverville, a church of 200 people for 20 years. God doesn't look at resumes like men do. He looks at this thing deep within us that says, oh, I'm desperate. Touch my life. Lift your hands to heaven. Father, Father, we hear your voice. We hear your voice. Fall on us again. Come on, Lord. Just do it in us. We're leaning in. Fall on us again. Stir us again. Grab us. Grip us. Deep, deep, deep in us. Grab us. Awaken. That's what I hear. Awaken, O sleeper. Arise. Arise. Arise from the dead. Father, remind people tonight of prophetic promise over their life. Remind people of scriptures that were spoken 20 years ago. Their favorite scriptures that somehow became hazy. Clar clarify it. Stuff we gave up on. Promise we gave up on. Bring it before the eyes of their heart right now. Let them see it and grab it. Remind them. Remind them. Remind them. Remind John of stadiums. Remind him of stadiums. And Holy Ghost choirs. I give you all the glory, Lord. 
Remind them. Remind prophets of the word of the Lord. Remind them how they used to burn inside. Remind them how they felt your fire shut up in their bones. Remind them how they felt that bubbling up. Remind them how you, you spoke so clearly. Remind them of those pictures and those similitudes. All those beautiful, beautiful promises. Stir them up. Stir them up. Remind those moms and dads what you spoke over their children. Come on, grab it by faith right now. All you got to do is reach out and touch him. Just grab it by faith. By faith, grab it. Say, yes, Lord, I'm here. I'm listening. I'm listening. Remind the pastors here what you wanted to build. Remind every pastor watching what you wanted to build. Remind them how you started in the spirit and how the flesh crept in, Lord. Have mercy. Build again by the spirit. Have mercy. What you started in the spirit shall we accomplish in the flesh? Remind me. Remind our team. Remind our students why you called them here. Bring the original word back to them. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.